Blog Talk Radio. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend. Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country, with a pedal to the metal, with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up. Here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message. Well, hello, hello, hello. Thank you for joining us. Uh, You've joined us at a great time. We're so thankful that you would take the time to join us around the world. Last week, we had a high of 33,411 people listen to this broadcast, and we're glad to have you. This week, we'll probably have seven people. Uh, But this is an important series. We're starting a new series today, and that series is called Fear. What in the world are you afraid of? So this is Sundays with Dr. Sean. You've you've hit the right place. This is our Kehala. This is where we come every Sunday at 5, and it is a place where we eat some serious food. We don't mess around. We have last week was uh, desserts, all desserts all the time, and this week we have a bevy of foods, including uh, some incredible homemade soups and some chicken and some homemade apple uh, pie and cobblers and uh, and the eggs. The eggs go fast. I don't know what's up with that, but we're we're a deviled eggs eating bunch here. Uh, everything is just delicious. There's there's homemade stuff. So we're would be thankful to feed you if you come. Five thirty. We're here in Newark, Delaware. So if you live in Newark, uh, or if you live in Delaware, Maryland, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, even New York. New York is only sixty three miles from here. So we'd be glad to have you. Or not sixty three, but about uh, uh now how far is it? About two and a half out. Well, about two hours from here. But uh, but we have people come from sixty three miles away from New York City. So we are. Uh, we're glad to have you. Thank you to those that have joined us on chat. That will be open. I don't know how much I'll be able to click on there today because we're kind of going to get after it. This is a, a series, uh, What in the World Are You Afraid Of? Where do you go when there's nowhere left to run from fear? You see, we all live in this terrible, terrible fear. We all live afraid of everything. We live as though fear wins. Like fear is boss, and I'm here to tell you fear's not the boss. If you believe in Christ, fear is not boss. If you worship Adonai Elohim, if you worship Hashem, if you believe in God and follow God and you follow Christ, uh, fear is nothing to you. But in the world, we live in this world, and we think that it does because the world's driven off of fear. Um, I'm going to tell you in this series, it's going to bless you. I've put a lot into this, and, and um, really it's been a blessing to me, quite honestly. Uh, this Bless you, give you a better, more peaceful life while strengthening you for the challenges ahead. Now, I'm just going to tell you, this is the way we do things. We're open. We're frank about things. We're also Bill and John and Wes and um, 
you know, Bonnie and Jerry and Steve and John, we're, we're all that about all that. Didn't you ever think that word, frankly, how did that ever happen? How did that ever happen? Also, this week, uh, speaking of fear, uh, this week we're going to say goodbye for a little while to one of our active duty military uh, who will be getting deployed. We're going to have a prayer service at the end for him. Um, obviously, we're not going to say his name on the air for obvious security reasons, but uh, see if you were here, you'd have a full belly, and you'd get to participate in that. But sorry, you're not, so maybe there's next week. So here's what I'm going to talk about. Uh, this just a couple of points here. The medical physiological impact and effect of fear on the human body, the brain, the mental outlook of a human being experiencing fear. There's a great book, uh, by the way. I, I did a seminar uh, years ago by Dr. Jim Lohr, L-O-E-H-R, Dr. Jim Lohr, the book's for success. He happens to be a Christian. Uh, he is a genius, and he has tapped into how the brain works, how the body works, and how experiencing uh, both linear and oscillating stress impacts your body and your mind. And it impacts how you think. That's going to be a strong resource for a lot of the research behind this. Number two, we're going to talk about the potential sources of fears in the world. Potential sources of fears. Now, I made that plural on purpose because some people aren't at all afraid of stuff that can really, really hurt them, yet they're terribly afraid of things that can't harm them at all. Some people are very, very afraid of the unscheduled and the unknown. Look, I want to know if we're going to talk on the phone, when exactly are we going to talk on the phone? If we're going to see each other, when exactly? What exact time and date is that going to be? Um, you know, where in the house is this particular item exactly? Um, you know, what is my exact paycheck going to be? What time does church start? What are we going to eat? And nobody says that. What are we going to eat at church? Only this KLA. Nobody, nobody ever goes, mm, I hope we have more than just desserts. Nobody said that last week. But I, mysteriously, there were no complaints about the lack of, of, of protein and, and, and uh, vegetables last week. So the potential source of fears in the world, I want you to hear that point, the potential source of fears in the world, the potential sources of fears in eternity, wherever you're prepared to spend eternity, the sources of fears in eternity, wherever you're prepared to spend eternity. Hmm. wonder if some scriptural things will come out of that. wonder if some to eliminate fear from your life by making one very powerful decision might come to mind. Then we're going to talk about the medical physiological impact and of faith on the human body, the brain, and the mental outlook of a human being experiencing and living faith. See, first we're going to talk about the medical physiological impact and effect of fear on the human body, the brain, and mental outlook of a human being experiencing fear, and then we're going to talk about the medical physiological impact and effective faith on the human body and brain of a person and the mental outlook of a human being experiencing and living faith. What a complete opposite that is. Fear, I want you to know, fear will increase as we enter further into the end times predicted in the revelation of Yeshua to Yochanan or the book of Revelation. You understand that that's where we are. I want to be clear. I don't want to be one of these people that hides things. I also don't want to be one of these doom and gloom guys 
says, you know, on such and such a day because such and such a thing, this such and such a, a prophetic event is going to happen. Because he said for me not to stand with my eyes craned to the sky. He said, work until he comes. That's what I plan on doing. However, make no mistake about it, we are indeed in the end times. When did the end times start, folks? It started when Yeshua was hanging on the cross and that a human being born of perfection in the Creator was sent to this earth Willingly lived a beautiful 33 years. Willingly went to a cross when he could have damned all of creation, all of mankind, for all of history, to obscurity. And gone and lived with his Father in heaven. We are indeed in live. We are living now in the end times. Remember what Scripture reveals to us in the Gospel according to Luke. Men's hearts will stop from fear. We are told not to be afraid. You guys remember that, right? We're told not to be afraid. Don't be afraid. Fear not. But listen, that's not because there aren't plenty of things in this world worthy of fear. Where do you go when there's nowhere left to run from fear? I'm here to tell you, this is all about rejecting the lies of the enemy and reflecting on the promises of God. This broadcast today is dedicated to my sweet uncle, Carrie, one of the kindest, sweetest men I have ever met in my entire life. I am blessed that he was my mother's younger brother, and actually he lived and died just a couple of miles from here. And uh, he had polio. I think at age 16 he contracted polio. He was all excited about joining his brothers overseas in World War II and fighting for freedom and liberty around the world. And then one day woke up and couldn't walk. And so ever since then, he's been using crutches and a wheelchair and that cool little scooter that he zipped on. He's carried with him his faith, his family, and his smile. Never a complaint out of this man. Never. Not one day. In all of my life, I'm 50 years old last week, or sometime whenever I turn 50. And uh, I have no chronological idea when I last had a birthday. But... Uh, in my whole life, from when I was able to recognize anything, Uncle Kerry never once complained. I'll tell you what he did do a lot. He laughed a lot, and he loved a lot. And he spoke of God's providence a lot. In fact, every day. There's folks listening today from Community Bible Study uh, who were devastated to learn of his loss, but each and every one of them said the same thing. And this is what the family said last night. We were privileged to get to the hospital, and I was able to be there and, and pray over him. Of course, he's not. He won't join us now. It's very difficult to even conceive of the fact that uh, he is with the Father, his body made perfect in heaven. Here's the crazy thing. We all said the same thing without realizing it. We all said, oh, Uncle Kerry is dancing with new legs in heaven now. And you know what? Uncle Kerry can eat whatever he wants to eat because diabetes won't bother him. You know, it, it doesn't have to worry about weight gain. I think we're going to eat in heaven. My goodness, we love things. We just won't have to worry about it. It'll be something we won't have to worry about. And we'll live on spiritual food, too. But Uncle Kerry, uh, he went to his reward early Saturday evening, yesterday evening. He lived with no fear, no excuses. He's a mountain of faith. By the way, great news from Waging Hope and Krika Halen's fight against pancreas cancer. His numbers are improving enough where they think 
on October 19th. He may be able to undergo surgery, uh, potentially life-saving surgery. So we are praying to that end. He's begun another round of chemo uh, in anticipation of that. It is, it is ravaging his body, as you might imagine. But we're praying that he continues to be able to eat uh, and keep his body strong. I know his mind and his faith is strong, and I know his family is a strong, uh, really, really seriously strong, believing family. His family unit is so so powerful. And, of course, as I said, we're going to have a special prayer for our brother and friend who's deploying to the Middle East this coming week. And we'll do that privately after the broadcast. I'm going to read a passage, and then we're going to come back to some things. Then Yeshua looked up, and as he watched the rich placing their gifts into, temple, into the temple offering boxes, he also saw a poor widow put in two small coins. He said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. For they, out of their wealth, have contributed money they could easily spare. Isn't it interesting that we're having this series? This did not occur to me, by the way, till the middle of the week when a friend of mine had a crisis. And, I, and God, I think I said to somebody here in the driveway, I don't know what we're preaching next week. And, and it, this week, God just presented it. Fear. Um, isn't it interesting, though? We just finished up a message. They're not related, and this wasn't planned, on wealth, the abuse of wealth uh, by people. Last week, uh, we talked about in James 5. Um, for they, this verse 4, for they out of their wealth have contributed money they could easily spare, but she out of her poverty, has given all she had to live on. Folks, have you ever been in that place where you look at your billfold or you look at your pocketbook or your purse and you look at your change holder, your little snap thing that people used to carry? I remember when I was a little kid at Richard A. Shields Elementary, I had a little smiley face squeezy thing. I remember it used to smell so good to me, a little rubbery thing. And you had your lunch money in there, and then you put that in your pocket. I don't know why. I don't know why I didn't just put the money in my pocket. Well, maybe I, I had a hole in my pocket because that was easy to imagine me as a kid. You never knew what a kid's going to put in his pocket, especially an old country boy. So you would squeeze this little thing, and the money would come out. Well, I've seen before ladies who have that little thing, twist the little metal thing, and it opens up. And then you look in there, and then you take another look, and you say, my goodness, I thought I had more than that. Have you ever been at that place where you're you're deciding whether to give out of faith or eat? Have you ever been at that place where you said, I've got this electric bill, this gas bill, I've got to put gas in my car, I've got to feed my children, or am I going to give? It's a powerful decision to make. This lady... This lady that she's talking about, this widow, being a widow in this time nowadays is way different than being a widow. Not easy. I don't want to say it's easy, but it's way different than it was during the biblical times than in this place. Because she was a poor widow. She was a poor widow. The, the parable speaker, the storyteller tells us she was a poor widow that put in two small coins. And he said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. They could easily spare. Have you ever been in that place, the opposite of it, where you could easily spare? You could give. You could contribute. You could do whatever. You had all the money you needed to do whatever you wanted. I've been in that place. I've been in that place. 
where I had plenty, and I could give plenty and still have plenty. And I've been in the place where I had nothing. The, having plenty and being able to give plenty is a lot more fun, I'm just going to tell you. But a lot of times the lessons, the biblical and spiritual lessons, the, the, the tether to our true faith is when we have nothing. It's a shame that we don't often learn from those times, and then we get back into plenty, back into abundance, but we forget all about the pain. As some people were remarking about the temple, this is verse 5, how beautiful its stonework and memorial decorations were, said the time is coming when what you see here will be totally destroyed. Not a single stone will be left standing. They asked him, Rabbi, if this is so, when will these events take place? And what sign will show that they are about to happen? Isn't it interesting? Uh, you know, we've heard a lot about the Shemitah and the blood moons and all these different things. Isn't it interesting that, that that's not that out of the ordinary that we would want to see a sign? Why? Because we want to see proof. We want to prepare. It's not just a lot of times I think we, we, we hurt ourselves a lot of times when we're too hard on ourselves. It's It's not that we necessarily want it proved to us that it's going to happen. We just want to prepare. We want to experience that joy of knowing and that anticipation. We know when Christmas is coming every year. Do you remember when you were a little kid? Uh, some of us had great experiences as little kids, and some of us did not have great experiences as little kids and waiting on Christmas. I personally know kids who, for most of their, for most of their childhood, did not receive gifts every Christmas. And when they, because they were so poor, and when they were at school after Christmas break, people would say, well, what'd you get for Christmas? Oh, I, I, I didn't get much, nothing fancy. They meant to say they didn't get anything at all, but they were embarrassed. Those were people whose parents had little nothing. But you know what I very rarely ever heard from those folks? Those kids, my fellow students, I never heard, you know, Christmas was a real bummer this year. I didn't get anything. They talked about the joy of getting together with family and friends. They talked about expressing their faith. Isn't God good that he sent his son, Yeshua, here to save us? They never talked about their lack. Isn't that interesting? Interesting lesson. So he answered, watch out, don't be fooled, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time has come. Don't go after them. And when you hear of wars and revolutions, don't panic. By the way, I want to make a big right here and right now. I have uh, now been um, brought on as a contributing opinion author, writer for the Minority Report blog and a couple of others that are related there. It's attached to the news. So you'll be looking for three posts a day from me at a minimum on that. So we'll send that out on Facebook, facebook.com, backslash God and Country Radio. Also, uh, my Facebook page, you can follow me. It's just Sean Greener, Sean Michael Greener. Dr. Sean, you put Facebook in Dr. Sean and you'll find me. Uh, so that's kind of a cool thing. We're going to be kind of bringing it. And I'll be talking about one of my posts that we'll post uh, on Monday is talking about someone, this this lady, air quotes lady, that um, is calling for revolution. And I don't think she really knows what revolution means. And when you hear of wars and revolutions, don't panic. For these things must happen first, but the end will not follow immediately. He told us himself, the end will not follow immediately. Listen, don't crane your necks to the sky and wait. I know people in this room can't wait to take the place. They said 
couple of them say, oh, I wish I was, I envy Uncle Kerry. You know what? That's a person that loves Christ and loves heaven. It's not said out of hating your life here on earth. It's saying heaven is so good. Uncle Kerry is experiencing heaven right now. It's going to be so difficult to say goodbye to his physical body when his funeral is. But I'll tell you what, I know when I go there, there will be testimony after testimony about how Uncle Kerry impacted their lives for Christ. I'll hear story after story about how Uncle Kerry made me smile and in a simple, plain way present the gospel, what he did. His calling was his life. And now he's received his reward. That is the reward for faith. So it says, don't panic, for these things must happen first, but the end will not follow immediately. Then he told them, peoples will fight each other. Nations will fight each other. Can I get an amen? Folks, are you are you hearing on the news peoples and nations fighting each other? Listen, this Black Lives Matter business, this is people fighting people. This is people fighting people. This is entities of evil seeking to divide our land for their own evil desires. And yes, Barack Hussein Obama is at the top of that list seeking to divide races and divide faiths. I've never seen anyone hate Christians and Jews more than Barack Hussein Obama. He wants to divide you and your faith. He wants to rip apart the vestiges of our faith. Those are things that oftentimes we are taught to fear. But it uh, talks about nations fighting each other. Isn't it interesting that Russia has gone over to Syria and done president said we were doing, but he was lying. Between five and nine, a, a, over a billion dollars, I think they said, was spent on training, air quotes, the resistance. And between five and nine, single digits were trained by Barack Hussein Obama's initiative. It's laughable, and it's classic, and it's treason. So here's the thing. Russia goes over, and Putin says, we've had about all we're going to take out of you. And in five days, in five days, takes out 50 strongholds of ISIS. agree with everything about Putin, but there's a difference between a man in charge and a punk in charge. The punk would be Obama, by the way. Verse 11, there will be great earthquakes. There will be epidemics. Yes, sir. It's it's an insult to punks. I'm, I apologize to all punks worldwide. Amen, brother. There will be great earthquakes. There will be epidemics and famines in various places. And there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. Can we agree that there are fearful sights and great signs coming from heaven? Folks, you cannot look around. And not surmise, wow, we are living the end times. We are, we are in them. They're not coming, we are in them. We're living in the end times. But therefore, or I'm sorry, but before all this, they will arrest you and persecute you, handing you over to synagogues and prisons. Kim Davis. 
little old 40-something-year-old, simple, plain Kentucky clerk thrown in jail, thrown in jail because she refused to compromise her faith. She took a stand. Christians all over the world are being taken into custody. They're being raped and murdered. This is happening, folks. This is reality. And it's sweeping the land. It's sweeping all over Europe right now. If you watch the mainstream news, you're going to not hear stories about how these, air quotes, refugees, ironically, 97% male, military, fighting age, Islamic adherents are robbing and raping and pillaging. And that's here. But before all this, they will arrest you and persecute you, handing you over to synagogue, over to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before the kings and governors. This will all be on account of me. How many of us have faced that question? This past, what was it, two weeks ago, I guess, the Oregon shooter, the Oregon murderer, it's said by survivors that he asked who are Christians, what is your faith? And then he shot the ones that said, I'm a Christian, in the head. Apparently, Barack Hussein Obama isn't as moved when Christians die as when Muslim boys take a clock apart and say they built it. But he goes on to say, but it will prove an opportunity for you to bear witness. We're getting plenty of opportunities, folks, to bear witness. How many of us? are taking those opportunities to bear witness. I like what Dr. Ben Carson, presidential candidate, uh, GOP presidential candidate, said. Took him wrong. I, I, he's a very uh, careful speaker, and, and people took him wrong. They took excerpts of his, of his response when he said, well, I wouldn't just stand there and let them shoot me. I'd rush them. I'd say, come on, y'all, let's take them on. And maybe I would die, but they can't kill all of us. He's absolutely right. He's absolutely right. You know, I'll remind you of a time when regular, ordinary people were confronted by heinous evil. In that plane, faith versus fear, in that plane that went down in Schwanksville, Pennsylvania, when that fellow said, let's roll. Oh, no, you're not. You're not going to bomb the Capitol. You're not going to take out thousands upon thousands of people. We'll give our lives to ensure you don't. Faith over fear. But it will prove an opportunity for you to bear witness. An opportunity. How many of us see an opportunity in suffering? How many of us see an opportunity in persecution? You know, our society nowadays is soft. We're very soft people. I hear people talk all the time about, well, if this would have happened, that would have happened. I would have just do this. And then when it happens, they do nothing. I, I don't, I'm not speaking ill of the dead. I don't, I don't want you to think I'm doing that. But in college, when are you the healthiest and the strongest and the fastest? This is why when I enlisted in the military, I wanted to do it while I was young in the best physical shape. I wanted to give the best I had for my country. In college... College-age kids, that's when you do it. 
That's when you do it. That's when you have the speed. That's when you have the power. You're light on your feet. You're nimble. Except for, now the people in radio can't see me, but I'm pretending to have a video game controller. It's those kids that sit in front of that video game all day long. They'll not be strong. They'll not be fast. They'll not be healthy because they play imaginary games all day long. I'm here to tell you, folks, this series is not about not having anything to fear because there's plenty in this world for us to fear. Here there was another college shooting. Another college shooting. Welcome to all you in chat. Thank you for joining us. What a great, great bunch of people. You're welcome. So here's the thing, folks. This is what I'm telling you. We're all different ages here. I guess the oldest being in the 80s, the youngest being in the 40s. Yeah, Pinocchio in the back. Somebody just got hit in the back with his growing nose. So we're in the 40s up to the 80s. And so here's the thing. We all can do something. Imagine if someone came into this house right now shouting out Lou Akbar positive he would make it past the front door. I'm just saying. That's not how we roll here. But you know what? Here's the crazy thing. This is just the really crazy thing about that. What stops a lot of groups? Lack of preparation and fear. I hope by the end of this series, it might even be a, just a, a two-sermon series. Who knows? I do a lot of those, right? Two-sermon series. I don't. I haven't done one yet, but I'm sure I will. So verse 14, make up your minds not to worry. Rehearsing your defense beforehand. Can I get a witness? Can I get an amen? Sometimes when you're best prepared, you should be least fearful. How about all the time? That's why we prepare. That's why we're people make fun of my Mormon friends. Listen, I've got hundreds and hundreds. Ironically, this show has an enormous... Oh, thank you for tweeting me out. COG on on uh, chat tweeted this show out in the link. Thank you very much. A lot of my Mormon friends follow this show. I don't. I'm not po- positive why, but they're prepared. I talked about it last week. They're prepared. They have at least a year worth of food for every person in their family, and not just every person in their family, but for their friends and for their neighbors. There's no better way to show Christ's love than to feed hungry. That's not all my good friends have. Listen, I know a lot of my Mormon friends are very, very well armed. They've got more ammo than most armories. They've got better guns. They've got replacement parts. They know how to replace high-wear parts on their weapons. They know how to kill and prepare food. They know how to do a lot of things. What's the verse say? So make up your minds not to worry, rehearsing your defense beforehand. Folks, one big part of fear is preparing. Our brother that's going over to serve, he's been preparing. The military has been preparing him. He's been preparing himself. He's been upping his workouts. And up, I see because I share on the Fitbit uh, his walk, and I'm like, holy moly, where is he walking to, Georgia? They're practicing. They're preparing. 
They're checking their equipment. They're checking their mind. They're handling their business at home. They're preparing their defense beforehand. Then verse 15 says, or reads this way, For I myself will give you an eloquence and a wisdom that no adversary will be able to resist or refute. Say what? For I myself. Who's the I myself speaking? Yeshua Hamashiach, Son of the Most High. He says, I will give you an eloquence and a wisdom that no adversary will be able to resist refute. So what does it say? It says, rehearse your defense beforehand. Prepare. Make up your minds not to worry. Folks, a lot of our fear originates in our minds. We think wrong about things. We think unhealthy about things. Amen. I don't know. We have Sometimes we just have the best chat. These people, I wish you could see all these. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll work on a way to put these up on the screen so you can see what people are saying. Smart, smart people. Amen. So make up your minds not to worry. Folks, I'm just telling you, you've got a decision to make every time you're faced with fear and worry. It sounds simple, doesn't it? I make it sound so simple. I'm going to worry or I'm not going to worry. You know what? This 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 broadcast today is dedicated to my Uncle Kerry. You know what Uncle Kerry never did? Worry. The man never worried. In the back. You never see him worry? He never did worry. He always was, boy, this is a beautiful day, isn't it? Well, I'll tell you what. The Covington family, we get together. They would love our Kehala. I'll tell you why. Because every gathering we do involves a lot of good food. And he would, you know, he, he couldn't walk. So, one uh, grandkids. Now, don't I'm the first one to invent the whole, no, I didn't have any ice cream cake. I've already eaten one piece, and somebody brings me another one. I didn't invent that. I learned that. Apple didn't fall far. Uh, Uncle Kerry, he would polish off a plate and then get the plate, the evidence out of the way. And I would be, oh, Uncle Kerry, did you get anything? I've seen it countless times. He would just look and go, oh, well, aren't you sweet? Thank you. Although when Aunt Carol was really clamping the uh, clamping the diet down on him, she would bring he would want buddy, but Aunt Carol, his wife of fifty plus years, to bring him a plate. But she was tough. She's tough. I mean, she she would bring him only what he's supposed to eat. And boy, you see his face just. All right, but he he'd find a way. He'd find a way. But he made up his mind. Not to worry. Now, this is a man who can't run from the tower. He hasn't walked since he was 16 years old. But he was the first security hired ever, hired at DuPont Company, that was completely handicapped. First completely handicapped, could not walk, security guard, and he was proud of his job. I don't know that the man ever missed a day of work. Other folks get a hang now. Oh, I can't go. Mm, I can't go to work today. Mm, this nail is driving me. Mm, I can't take it. I need me a pill. You know, I got a little bit of a cold. Cough due to cold. I can't go to work today. Nope. Not Uncle Carrie. Oh, neither of my legs work. But I'm going to work. Never once. 
And you know what? I never saw him worry. I never saw him worry. I never, I, whenever you ask him a question, Uncle Kerry, aren't you concerned about this? Why am I concerned? Point is there of me being a Christian, believing in Christ. Jesus handled all that for me. I don't have to worry. That's why I don't worry, because of Jesus. Jesus took that worry. He said, don't be, he, country, don't, don't be fretting and worrying. What we call it, redneck? <laughs> he was one to call people rednecks. He was redneck as they come. But he he would say, what am I going to worry for? He would look at you with this big old smile, and he had a big old smile. He would look at you with that big old Cunnington face, and what am I going to worry for? Why am I going to do that? I'm not worried. God finds a way to feed me every day. He finds a way to put it over my head every day, protects me every day. Why am I going to worry? Why would I start now? An eloquence and a wisdom that no adversary will be able to refute or resist. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers, relatives, and friends. Some of you, they will have put to death. You know, that's happening right now with in-prison Muslim converts. What's the fastest growing religion? Islam. And the place where it's growing the fastest is in the prisons in the United States of America and around the world. Converts come out of prison and they're pit brother against brother, brother against sister, brother against mother. There are cases where they murder their family member because they won't convert to Islam. You don't see it in the paper. Oh, they just went off. They don't release why. It had to do with Islam. Brothers, relatives, going to betray us. Your friends. How many of your friends, you, you, you are open about your faith? Maybe you live in an area that, that is extremely uh, leftist and anti-God. Isn't that something? How the left is all anti What is the deal with that, right? It's crazy, isn't it? It's in the Bible. But isn't it something that holds true almost every time? The people <laughs> who are anti-God will be left behind. That's a good one. You should write that down and copyright it. But I'm going to steal the heck out of it before you do. <laughs> Parents, brothers, relatives, and friends, they're going to have you put to death. How many of you have family members who laugh at you because of your faith? How many of you have family members when you when they ask you, oh, you know, you have something bad happen in your life, and they, oh, man, this is terrible. No, no, God's got me. He's He's going to protect me. If he, And if it's his will, he'll take me home. But I'm going to fight in the meantime. People have asked me, nobody, well, maybe one or two people in my family, but uh, you know, people ask me, aren't you afraid of ISIS coming? Aren't you afraid? I'm prepared. I'm prepared, prepared to fight. I'm prepared to live for my country, the ideals and freedoms brought to us through the greatest gift to all of mankind, freedom and liberty. Freedom and liberty. I'm prepared. I have no fear. They say you, you can't possibly have no fear. I, ha- I literally have no fear. I'm going to testify. I have no fear. I will fight. I've prepared all. I continue to prepare. And if I need to die, I will die. But I will not die on my knees wearing an orange jumpsuit, mumbling prayers to myself. They're going to be defensive wounds all over me and all over them because I'll take everyone with me that I can. And I have no fear of that, none whatsoever. 
But you know what else I have no fear of? I have no fear that God will abandon me. I have no fear that the moment... Look, I know as I was standing in the hospital room praying over Uncle Gary, the, the, the tent, the earthly tent, the earth tent that he was given for 70-some years, I had no question in my mind that Uncle Kerry was at that very moment smiling and crying, happy tears. Oh, Lord Jesus, I've believed in you my whole life. I've testified to you. I've, I've spoken of your name. I've spoken of your glory. I've spoken of your promises. And there you are. Hallelujah. Praise his holy name. I am in the presence of the king for all eternity. I have no doubt in my mind when I was praying that prayer, oh, how I'm going to miss it. The next family gathering is going to be hard on everybody. But I have no doubt in my mind that Uncle Kerry Covington is in the presence of King. You know what? You're going to have a whole lot less fear if you know in whom you have believed and if you're persuaded that he is able to deliver you, to release you, to unbind you from these earthly things that weigh us down. And everyone will hate you because of me. Folks, we are so afraid of being disliked. This modern society tells us, oh, you've got to be liked. You're intolerant. You're this, you're that. They call us all kinds of names. And we're afraid of it because we say, oh, no, I don't want you to not like me. I don't want you to not like me. The enemy has taught us that we're supposed to be loved, not hated. And let me just tell you what, the enemy has inserted his way into the church. Because a lot of churches all across this country Pastors are standing up in the pulpit or wherever they preach nowadays and they're telling their congregation, we've got to go love these people so they'll love us and they'll love God. The hard, full, true gospel, many will hate. We will preach it, we will speak it, and we will testify in love, but many will still hate us for it. And everyone will hate you because of me. How much people say, well, people don't hate me because of of God. How much Jesus, how much Yeshua are you showing? Verse 18 says, but not a hair of your head will be lost. Verse 19, by standing firm, you will save your lives. How many of you know some of the greatest battles of all time are told? Israeli battles are absolutely amazing. Some of the stories of six people on a hillside, almost out of uh, ammunition, barely had any guns, and they're fighting 300. And they're not quitting. We're not retreating. And all of a sudden, that enemy retreats. True story, folks. The enemy retreats, and when the enemy was interviewed, 
They said, you did such a hasty retreat. What happened? They said, are you kidding? There's no way we could beat that enemy. They so far outnumbered us. They so far outpowered us. Six holy men. Believers in Hashem. Believers in the God Most High. Saying, Father, we will not be afraid. We are prepared. And we will fight until you call us home. And the enemy fled. Hundreds. So completely outnumbered. So completely outgunned. And six Hebrew men with a one mighty God. How long will you live your life in fear? How long will you forget that it is God the Father who created all that we see? He is not an awesome God. He is the awesome God. He is your God. Look, if you have a God, air quotes like Muhammad or Allah, I'm going to tell you Allah and and God are not the same. They're absolutely not related whatsoever. But if you have a God like that, small g, and you have a God, large g, I'm going to tell you, we win. Because he wins. One is real and one is not. We follow the real God. We follow the one true God, folks. We follow the one who, if we stand firm by Scripture, if we stand firm, we will. This Scripture shouldn't be more clear, folks. By standing firm, you will save your lives. However, when you see Yerushalayim, which is Jerusalem, surrounded by armies, then you are to understand that she is about to be destroyed. Those in Yehuda must escape to the hills. Those inside the city must get out. And those in the country must not enter it. For these are the days of vengeance when everything that has been written in the Tanakh will come true. A terrible time it will be for pregnant women and nursing mothers to be great distress in the land and judgment on the people. Some will fall by the edge of the sword. Others will be carried into all the countries of the Goyim. And Jerusalem will be trampled down by the Goyim until the age of the Goyim has run its course. There will, be, there will appear signs in the sun and moon and stars. And on earth, nations will be in anxiety and bewilderment at the sound and the surge of the sea as people faint with fear at the prospect of what is overtaking the world, for the powers in heaven will be shaken, and they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with tremendous power and glory. When these things start to happen, stand up and hold your heads high, because you are about to be liberated. Do you understand what that's telling you? It's going to get awful bad before he comes. Are you prepared? Have you prepared your mind? Have you prepared your spirit? Are you living in a spirit of fear and timidity? 
Christians that are that that huddle in their church afraid to speak the truth will be no more bold to stand up when someone comes into their church to defend them because let me tell you something think the church shooting in Charleston was something you ain't seen nothing yet but did you know since that church shooting in Charleston South Carolina there have been 3 shootings averted massive disasters Massive tragedies, mass killings averted because of one person, a civilian with a concealed carry permit with a gun. Let me let me tell you something really quick. How many of you here and on the radio audience, how many of you here know that there was an armed concealed carry permit holder in Oregon and he didn't do anything? because he was afraid of being mistaken for the shooter. I say we steal his man car, we stamp it, no dessert, and we take his gun away and we say, buddy, you don't have what it takes. You know what? To defend yourself and your family, your friends from evil, you have to have something called heart. You have to have something called courage. You have to have something. He was more afraid of being shot by police than he was of being killed by a terrorist. And I'll call it that. He wasn't prepared in his mind. He wasn't prepared in his heart. And many more people died because he wasn't. But since since the Charleston shooting, there have been three church shootings in which a concealed, one of them, was a concealed carry permit holder, was a woman. She drew on him, and he took his own life instead of being shot by a woman. His identity has not been released. His, air quotes, religion has not been released. But it is absolutely true. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? Concealed carry permit holders. You know what stops a shooting, a mass shooting? Somebody with a gun. A good guy. A good lady with a gun. You say, what in the world does that have to do with this? Listen, I don't fear where I go. I'm not absolutely positive that I will prevail in every circumstance. But you know what I'm absolutely positive of? I'm absolutely positive that I have prepared and continue to prepare. I'm absolutely positive that my weapon will function properly because it's been properly cared for and maintained. I'm absolutely positive that my mind will function according to the thousands upon thousands of hours of practice and preparation and prayer that I've put into place. I'm not at all eager to shoot a human being. But I'll tell you this. You let somebody come into this house of faith and they will leave in a bag come hella high water with lots of holes in it. Now that's a bet. That's a guarantee. By the way, one of our great listeners in Alaska just uh, mentioned we don't need concealed carry permits in Alaska because if you are a citizen in Alaska, they abide by the Second Amendment there. Big hoo to them. When these things start to happen, stand up. He gives us specific instructions. What do we do when we cower in fear? We don't stand in fear. Where do you think I got? Who, who in here knows what my little saying is, my hashtag? Stand. Inside. You have to decide first 
then you have to resolve, and then you have to stand. I didn't say decide, resolve, cower. I didn't say decide, resolve, go in your closet, hide under some stuff, hide behind some stuff. I didn't say any of that. I said decide, decide, resolve, and stand. I got that from this scripture. Stand up and hold your heads high. Christians, we were afraid to walk into the public square and say, I am Christian. You see this hashtag if you're on Facebook or social media, I am Christian. There are so many people that are afraid to go into their workplace right now and say, I am Christian. There are so many Christians afraid to go to their supervisor or their place of employment when there are accommodations being made for Muslims. This is happening all across the country. How many of you know the United States military, on bases now, all pork products have been removed from the menu? Why did they do that? Why did Obama accommodation of Muslims? Can you imagine in the prisons? It, well, it started with the prisons, but it's coming to the military. That's coming out in the next few days. That might be a story that I might be writing about. Just a tip. Yeah, he is a Christian. So here's the thing. Here's the crazy, crazy thing. How many of us have the strength, the fortitude, the resolve to go to our employer and say, now wait a second here. I'm a Christian. I have rights. I don't have puny rights given to me by you, by the it that is the government. I have rights, inalienable rights, granted the creator of all that is. And I'm going to get what's coming to me. How many of you have that? How many of us have allowed our workplace to have God completely stripped from it? I know somebody right now that when she goes to work, there is an employee at her work that when she's at lunch, reads her Bible, and the Muslims at work and the other people who have no faith at work make fun of her for reading her Bible. I say, go sit next to him with your Bible and read your Bible. Say, come on, sister, let's have some church up in here. Come on, sister, let's, let's read the Word. Let's pray. Oh, what a mighty God we serve. I say, stand. He says, when these things start to happen, stand up and hold your head high because you are about to be liberated. But what God gave us is tremendous power within ourselves because of and through him. So many of us are afraid to take what has been given to us by almighty God because we are overwhelmed with fear. As my buddy in Philadelphia says, fears whack. Fear whacks the body. Fear whacks the brain. Fear's just whack. Fear actually and physiologically damages the mind and body over time and in the moment. Next week, we're going to talk about the devastating effects of fear on the human body. We're going to talk about the demoralizing and learned helplessness created by long-term fear such as the government is creating in this country. An atmosphere of fear. Next week we're going to talk about the example of linear stress 
Stress for Success by Dr. James Lohr. I'm telling you, get that book. It's out on Kindle. If you're a Kindle reader, it'll be a great resource for you. In that book, he talks about the difference between the two. We're going to talk about that next week in detail. You're going to learn a lot of cool stuff at no additional charge to you. If you like what we do and you want to support the ministry, theninjapastor.com, theninjapastor.com. Go to theninjapastor.com. There's a donate button there. If you believe everything, every single penny goes back into the ministry to pay for what we do. And <laughs> we have somebody who says, I am and always will be a pork-eating crusader. Amen. You get her done. Thank you so much for listening all around the world and for here. We are so pleased to have you join us. I'm so pleased to be among this august band of believing, conservative people of great faith who know in whom we believe and live without a spirit of fear. Come back and see us tomorrow at the Collision of Faith and Politics. It's going to be off the chain. We have a very special guest. I think he's listening now. Mr. Dave Perkins is going to be talking about guns. He's going to be talking about gun control. He's going to be talking about thought control. You all know Dave Perkins. He's awesome. He is the man, and we're fortunate that he is a great friend of ours. And we're going to be doing some other crazy stuff tomorrow. So same channel, blogtalkradio.com backslash the ninja pastor. Thank you so much for joining us. God bless you. Join us next time for Sundays with Dr. Sean. And please follow this show and the Collision of Faith and Politics radio show during the week at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Ninja Pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor. Yep. And on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio. And check out all the free messages, archive shows, and buy Dr. Sean's critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, at www.drshawngreener.com. Join us during the week. And in the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining us in this fight.